God bless you, brother. Amen. You can start the invitation to whatever you All right. That'll work. While I stand before you a little bit uh, conflicted, Brother Seth said something about being done by 5 to 7. Another brother back there said, go till 9.30. I don't know. And preacher's not saying nothing, so they gave me a little water. That's going to extend things right there. Last year, I was able to come by here. Brother um, um, Lugodon had me in for his mission conference. If you want to be turning to Romans chapter 12 while I talk, we'll get there in a minute. But uh, Brother Lou brought us in for his mission conference, and I was able to come over here, and uh, it was a blessing. I can't remember what I said, so I'll just start with my presentation a little bit and give you a little bit about me. Um, I was saved. In April, oh, April 6, 1987, in a mission work in Heilbronn, West Germany. I was stationed in the military over there, went directly out of high school over there, and uh, he, he got hold of me. A young girl in my seventh hour study hall class wrote in my yearbook, What shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world? Took a whole sheet of my annual, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And here I was embarking on life. And uh, so she wrote that. And three years later, that verse was the one that followed me for three years and ended up, ended up getting saved. Um, got called to preach in 1990. Uh, then God added the best physical thing to me. Uh, he gave me my dear bride of 31 years. Wave your hand back there. Make sure you get by and see her, because if you don't get to meet her, you, you've missed the best part. Amen? From 1990, when he called me to preach, and 1990, when he called me to the mission field, I trained in my home church. Um, a lot of people have different thoughts about that. Go to Bible college, stay at home. I stayed at home. Uh, I had already been uh, in, involved in the bus ministry. I, I was bus director in training forever. <clears throat> so I wanted to keep my training going so I could one day have the title bus director. But I decided to stay with that because that's what God led my life. And, I, and it was good because I got to stay around my pastor and have him put things in my life. Um, I got to be involved in a lot of different ministries. And then in uh, 1999, in our mission conference, between our mission conference at our home church and our mission conference at my father-in-law's church, Brother Homer Smith was preaching it. And uh, between those two... God called me to go to Scotland. Not just called me into missions. That was at our home church and then into Scotland from uh, my father-in-law's church. So we uh, got that all nailed down, got uh, through the fleece out. God proved to me that that's exactly what he wanted. So I made sure of all that. And we were on our way and we started out with a six-month uh, survey trip, extended survey trip. We had several pastors help us out, and we went to the field, and it was great. 
It was great to be able to go and and even before I started deputation, start raising my funds for going back to Scotland permanently. Um, well, God gave me a good view of the Scottish people and the life that I would be living there six months worth. And so when Brother Howard Alverson fell out of our home church, when he got ready to come over, before he made his uh, definite choice, I said, preacher, let's do the same with him. Bring him over for six months, his family, and let them see it all honeymoon's over, vacation time's over, all that stuff is gone, and now you're here. You're living amongst the people, you're learning. And I believe if we did more of this, it's the day we live in, amen? They couldn't have done that 40 years ago, but we can do that now. And I believe it'll cut down on the missionaries coming home after their first tenure over there in the country and staying home. Amen. I don't. I don't like that. They they say somewhere between seventy five and eighty percent of missionaries come home, and the main reason is uh, because of the wives. Sorry, ladies. I'm not picking on you, but that's what they say. And uh, and just in Scotland. I can verify that because the majority of the missionaries that went home had to do with their wives. They couldn't cope with things. And if they'd have been there for six months, they would have known that and maybe not come at all. And uh, you say, well, what's better? Coming for a little time or coming not at all? I say coming not at all because when a missionary comes to a field and they get people to start trusting them and then they leave, I call it burnt ground. You're not gonna, another missionary goes in that same area. He's going to try to figure out why he, anything he's doing is not working. But really all it is is that another missionary burned that ground. So uh, to kind of catch you up from last year, that's, that's my, basically my testimony of how I got to the field. Last year I was here, and uh, since last year, Brother Howard Alverson has uh, got to the field. He's there now, and he's doing all the work that I did for 22 years. He's doing it all. It all got dumped on him. Uh, I, we had our camp meeting in October, finished the camp meeting on the 13th, and we flew on the 19th. So six days later, he got there in July, and he got in, inundated on everything. And so he, and he's pulled it off four and a half months with no difficulties at all. So praise the Lord for that. Not one hiccup. Well, at least that I know of. I'll find out when I get there. But uh, that that story and him getting over there in itself is a miraculous thing because while he was on deputation raising his funds, he also went through COVID, the same thing, COVID time. And trying to raise your support on COVID was, was uh, horrendous. All the churches, he would have meetings booked and uh, the churches would cancel and all of that kind of stuff. And not only did he raise his support during COVID at 100%, got all his support raised, um, about probably the last six, nine months, um, a guy in our church found a building where he's going to in Forfer. And uh, so we found this 5,000 square foot building. It has 
three bathrooms. One of them's handicapped. It has uh, the whole, um, the brand new boiler system, three years old, only three years old. It was uh, totally remodeled in 2014. It has all the chairs for the congregation, all the tables and chairs for the fellowship hall. And uh, they used cabinet grade three quarter inch plywood for shelves in their ca- in their cabinets, which made a beautiful pulpit. We pulled the cadet. It was just the, everything we needed. Uh, had a sound system, audio system, and we got the whole lot for one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. And uh, so I went into the estate agent and I said, this is what I'd like to put forth an offering to the church. And I said, we want to put 40% down. And in three months, we want to give you 30%. And then in three months, we want to give you 30% again. He said, "Uh, we don't do that kind of thing in Scotland. I said, I know. I've been here 22 years. I know that. I said, but do me a favor. Just make that offer to the Church of Scotland. And so he did, and two minutes later he called me back, and he said, they accepted. I said, I guess you're going to do this in Scotland. <laughs> so we didn't, we didn't, we were, tried to be smart about it, because I didn't set a date for the 40%. So I raised 60% before we gave him the first 40, so that way we had our second payment well on the way. And before a year time, during COVID, while he's finishing up his deputation, he raised the funds for the building, and it is paid for today. Amen? And so that's, that is the miraculous thing. And um, the first week of May, he's making a big push, and the 14th of May will be the opening day of Harvest Baptist Church in Forfar, Scotland. Please pray for that. Please pray for our growth. That's where we want to start another, uh, open another church and start another church. We're just waiting on God's timing on that. Uh, we're still heading out in, in what we're doing there in, in Dundee. So uh, any questions afterwards, you see me. Amen. I'll, get, I'll answer any questions. Uh, Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12, and we'll read two verses of scripture, verse number 1 and verse number 2. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Father, we thank you for the time tonight, Lord, to be able to preach. I pray, God, that you give me the energy. Lord, give me the anointing from on high. Lord, I just pray that you bless tonight. Touch hearts. Lord, I'll make this special for these people, your children. Lord, may you Challenge your hearts. May you, Lord, bring them to a new level in their personal life. Lord, let them see some things tonight. Lord, maybe that they've not seen before or focused on before or uh, it's come to light like this. I just pray that you use it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Now, this church, being the fact that uh, uh, your pastor just said a moment ago that there's 12 men out of this church uh, and 10 women uh, in full-time service, and that's great. They're they're no longer here or they're in and out. We get that. Um, But this is focused on the rest of us that are still here. You're important to God. Your life means something to him. And actually, he gave to each one of you something that he didn't give anyone else. It's personal. It's yours. He thought so much about you that he made it personal for you. But he didn't make it so you could keep it hidden. And that's called your testimony. He gave you a testimony. Your testimony is from the Lord. You, without the Lord, you have no testimony. Amen. Without him, you have no testimony. But again, he didn't give it to you to keep it hid. He wants you to use your personal testimony for those you personally come in contact with. For those you personally run into, and for those who you personally have a a good contact with, and you're able to really work with them. The Bible says if you want a friend, show yourself friendly. My advice is uh, the same advice God gave me when I first got saved. Uh, I got saved in April. We had a meeting over there in Germany in November. And I volunteered on that Saturday night after that camp meeting over there. I volunteered to be a preacher for God. And on the way home, on the way across the parking lot to my barracks in the military, God used the story of the madman of Gadara. And he said, I want you to go home and tell your family and friends what I've done for you. Uh, At that time, I didn't know nothing about God. I didn't understand that. I was volunteering. Surely he would take me. But he had had something different for me. Just like he did that man-man of Gadara. You notice that the man-man of Gadara didn't get mad. Amen. He didn't get upset. All he did is turned around and did what he said. So I turned around and I went and witnessed to all my family and friends. I wrote my, my, my dad an eight-page letter. I said, Dad, would you please sit the family down and I want you to read this to them. I don't know whether he did that or not. But he did my part, trying to tell them about what God's done for me. And then I went around telling all my friends. And then when I got done, I did what everybody else would do. I went back to the Lord. I said, okay, Lord, I told my family and I told my friends and now I'm back here. You know what he told me? A very good piece of advice. He told me, go out and make new friends. You get it, right? Go tell thy family and thy friends what I've done for you. And then when you've done it, he wants me to go make new friends. Why? So I can tell him. The best kind of thing you can do is make a friend and then tell him about the Lord. Because it will go deeper than just some track you hand out. I'm not belittling tracks. I'm thankful for tracks. Here in the scripture, 
verse number one, he says that it's, he, he wants, he's beseeching, he's praying, he's begging you to present your body a, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. Now look at this wording he uses here. It's your reasonable service. Can I say tonight, whatever God may want out of your life, no matter what God may do with your life, uh, he may take you from where you're at tonight and put you in a very uncomfortable position. He may take you out of your comfort zone. He may call you to come to Scotland or call you to go to Bulgaria or call you to go to Timbuktu. It doesn't matter where it is. He may call you out of your comfort zone. And by the way, somehow we got this thinking that it's all for the younger folks. I think the best missionaries are those about 40 plus. They're they're done. No, I believe they make very good missionaries. They got some things settled in their life. These, These younger ones that are coming out today, bless their hearts, amen. They think they know everything. And they probably know more than I do. But that doesn't matter. God, they just seem to take a long time to settle in. But it's just reasonable. Just remember something. No matter what he asks of you will only be reasonable. See, we have three enemies that we face daily. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And all of our enemies are liars. And we need, to be, we need to be kept in mind. The Bible said here, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing, the renewing of our minds. Our minds need to be continually renewed by the scriptures. And the scripture said that the, the, in, in Romans chapter number 3 and verse number 4, said, yea, let God be true and every man a liar. So we know our flesh is going to lie to us. We know the world's going to lie to us. And in John chapter 8, verse 44, he said that, that the devil is the liar and the father of it. Gave him that title. And so we got to be reminded constantly that our enemies always going to say things against us. They're always going to try to keep us. If, if at least they will do like they did Nehemiah and try to hinder them. And so... We need to keep our minds renewed about the, the lying of the enemy, but also the, uh, the teaching of the gospel. The teaching of the gospel. I think this is a very, no, let me, let me back that up. I think it's the most important. Outside of salvation, I believe the next most important thing that a child of God can do is learn to present a clear presentation of the gospel. It's necessary. Let me ask, let me turn around and ask in question form. Can you present a clear presentation of the gospel? Can you do it? Now, what I just experienced was what I experienced in almost every church I've been in that I preached this message. I, I got this Unvoluntary nod of the head. Okay? You nodded your head and you didn't even realize you did it. So now you're called the head bobber. For the rest of the sermon, you are the head bobber. But that's not a bad thing. Because in in bobbing your head involuntarily, that means you did it without even thinking. 
Your head went like that as I was speaking it and asking the question. Your head went like that. That means you're confident that you can present the gospel clearly. If your head did not bob, don't feel bad. I'm not here to make you feel bad tonight. All I'm trying to do is get some awareness out to you that it is very, very, very important that the gospel get out. Every one of us need to present the gospel. And if we do not know how, this is how important the head bobbers are now, because when you bobbed your head, everybody else saw your head bob too. Amen? So, so now, those of you whose head did not bob, and you're really not confident, or maybe you can't, get with one of those that were bobbing their head. Amen? And get them to teach you And get you to the place where you're confident in giving the gospel out. And if you can give the gospel, I'm afraid the next thing that needs to be... I I didn't make this challenge at many churches. I don't think I made it at any church. So this one's special for you guys. Just trying to follow the Lord tonight. If you can... Present the gospel. Why aren't you? What's your reason? You have that knowledge. You have the tools before you. The, the Romans road. The, John, the first John road. The Isaiah road. Whatever road you want to use. You've got the whole of the Bible before you. Then why aren't you? Second question, uh, because in our scriptures all the way through the Bible, we are, we are made aware that we're supposed to, not only are we supposed to do things that God puts before us, like presenting the gospel, but then we should, next step we should do is we should grow in that. And then finally we should abound in it. So uh, the next question I would ask is, can you persuade with the gospel? In the New Testament, Jesus made comment in his parable. He said to the servants, he said, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. So can you take the gospel and make it sweet to the soul? Can you make it sweet to the lost person out there? Can you make it great and wonderful and be the greatest thing that they ever had part of? Can you do that? Can you... Take away, here's a, here's a good practical explanation, uh, practical uh, um, definition of the word compel. Now, if you look up the word compel, you'll find out that it's very forcible. A lot more forcible than most Baptists want to admit. I mean, I started out my preaching on this subject and I said, we're not talking about twisting their arm behind their back and pulling forth. You look at that definition. You'll change your mind in a minute because there is a forcibleness to that word compel. But I'm not trying to go that far. I'm trying to bring it down to a practical level. Take away their every excuse. If they say they ain't got the clothes, go get them the clothes. If they say they can't do this, oh, I've got, I've got, I've got to cook my family a meal. Then ask them to come out to eat after, after they get done with church. Do whatever it takes to take away their excuse. 
And the third question in this part is, uh, are you effective with the gospel? This is a little more difficult. In fact, if we didn't have the rest of the word of God, we wouldn't find out how effective Lazarus was to the rich man. Because all we get to see is the rich man and Lazarus die, the physical side. But because we have our Bibles, we find out that here Lazarus was in paradise on the other side of the gulf and here the rich man was in hell in flames and he's thinking about finally getting outside of his own mindset in his own life he's thinking about his brothers who were following him were doing everything that he was doing they were trying to become like their older brother or their brother and he came to the conclusion that if somebody doesn't reach them that they're going to end up in this place just like me. And after he got there, he didn't want that. And he called on. Now remember, paradise is where all the Old Testament saints were. He didn't call on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who walked through the fire. He didn't call David, who was the only one God said, a man after my own heart. He didn't call on Elisha, who was a double portion power of Elijah. He didn't call on Elijah. He didn't call on Abraham, the, fa- the, 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 the friend of God. He didn't call on Moses, the meekest man. He called on a lowly beggar. Why do you think that is? Because as we read our Bibles, we find out that the rich man had confidence in the beggar. Can I ask you this question tonight? Does, is there a lost person out there around your life? Somebody who you work with? Somebody who you shop next to? Somebody who you... Tim Horton. That's the that's that's great, uh, great coffee shop of, of New York. Everybody goes by Tim Horton's. Some will say, I mean, I see more head nodding, yes. So, does there, is there a worker at Tim Hortons that has confidence in you? If, if, their, if their life turns upside down, would they look to you? The rich man didn't care what the Lazarus was doing while they were walking on this earth. But when he died, his attitude toward the, the, the beggar was different. He had confidence. If I can just get him to my brothers, they'll be all right. Do you have anybody that has that kind of confidence in you? And the third point to the message tonight, I didn't make it by 5-2, Brother Seth. I won't make it all the way to 9-30. I'll be a puddle right up here in a minute. So we'll cut it in the middle. Then the third point, first point is the lying of the of the of the our enemies. The second point is the learning of the gospel, and the third point is the longevity of sowing. We need our minds renewed, <clears throat> and I say this mainly because. <clears throat> 
as far as I have been made aware in the last four and a half months since I've been on deputation, I've been made aware that there is very, very little preaching on the subject of sowing the seed. Now, the Bible says the word of God is the seed. That is the seed, the word of God. What are we doing in our life with the word of God? Are we sowing the seed? How many preachers have come by and preached on the subject? Oh, you'll hear a lot of them use John chapter 4. We'll get there in a minute. Amen? Oh, lift up your eyes on the fields. They're white already under harvest. We talk a lot about reaping. We talk about a lot about souls being saved. And I love to hear about souls being saved. Don't you get me wrong. Don't go out there tonight and say, he doesn't want to see anybody saved. I want to see people saved just as much as anybody else. But that's not my drive. Because that's God's business. Some soul, some water, but God give the increase. That's God's business. And when he wants to do it, and when it'll happen. Sorry, if that goes across everybody's doctrine today, that's Bible. You're not going to get in God's business And you know what? He wants us to be about our business. But there's not too many people preaching on sowing. In fact, the matter is, how would you like it if he just said to you, all I want you to do for the rest of your life, all I want you to do is sow. How would that make you feel? To be honest with you, I talked to a lot of preachers while I've been out here four and a half months. And there's just too many of them that would not be happy about it. Why? Because they want to reap. Why? Because they get the glory. I don't want that. I don't want the glory. And if it starts to happen, I'm going to find a place to get in the background and teach them and ground them that get saved. I don't want the glory side. I want to sow, and then I want to sustain them. That's what I want to do. That's what's in my heart. And if God will let me sow another 22 years, another 44 years, I don't care. Listen, I hope he lets me sow out in Scotland. All the way out till I can't knock another door. You know, you get older, right? Amen. He's over there by himself. He said, why did he look over here at me? <laughs> Sorry, you're, you're all by yourself over there, and you're not as young as me. So I'm going to pick on you for a moment. You get up there in the mages. Surely you've noticed that your steps are getting slower. You're not able to do as much as you used to. I'm only 57, and I already realized that I'm not going to be able to do the same things as I used to. But here comes the lying of the devil again. Oh, since you're too old to, to do as much as you used to do, now you can't do anything. Yeah, right. Don't tell me that. You know what? 
if all you do, if all you can do is sit in your easy chair, this sounds good already, don't it? Pull out your phone. What's the area code here? 716-344-0001. Hello, I'm from Faith Bible Baptist Church. You say, oh, they're going to hang up on me. Same thing they do at the door. Shut the door in your face. We don't want to hear. Well, is that supposed to stop us? Zero, 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 two. Zero, 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 three. It might take you lots of prayer, many days, and many hang-ups, but you might get to zero, one, three, one, and you'll get this phone call, and you'll get this person on the other side and say, oh, you don't know what I need. You don't know how much I need this. Can you come and talk to me? Hey, it'll be worth it. You're not, because you're older, you're not done. And because you're younger. I mean, that's the other lie of it. I'm too young. Really? Too young for what? Too young to memorize the Bible? Too young to learn how to give the gospel out? Me and my wife don't have any kids. Wished we did. She's probably... In the long run, she'll probably be glad about it because if I could have had kids, I would have had 10 if I, want, if I could. That's what I wanted. In no consideration at all. <laughs> She'd just been a baby machine. But you know something? He didn't give us any. So we fostered some. A four-year-old, a three-year-old, and one and a half. We had them for three months, and then they went back to their mom, and then we got them back, and we had them for three more months. During the six months that we had them in total, they learned, four-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-and-a-half-year-old learned six verses of Scripture. Oh, you can't teach your children that. Who told you that? I had, I had somebody in my church, I, I, I asked them, I asked them after having the kids for a little while, I said, how come you're not more consistent with your kids? He didn't like that. <laughs> he said, he said, because I have 20 years with them. I said, who told you that? You're not promised tomorrow with them. So don't think you've got 20 years with them. I said, you need to be consistent today with your children and raising your children. Hey. The longevity of sowing. Turn to Acts chapter 5. Again, we're going to show you, show the, show you the principle quickly. We're going to show you the principle of, uh, of the longevity of sowing and growing and abounding. Okay? Growing. Keep that in mind. When you have a precept of sowing that we need to do, then the next step is we need to grow in it. We got our Bible. That's a precept. Read our Bibles, right? I'm 40 years old and in Lord and I'm reading my Bible through once a year. Shame on you. You haven't grown in 40 years in your Bible reading anyways. I'm not saying you should read it through a hundred times, but maybe you should go to one and a half. You see what I'm saying? Grow in it. Grow a little more. Everything is growing in the Bible and then abounding. Romans chapter, or excuse me, Acts chapter 5. I did say that right, right? Acts Acts chapter 5. I just need to get over there. I was in Romans chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, verse 42. 
The Bible said in daily, in the temple, and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Every house. Every house. Has every house in Eden had the gospel of Jesus Christ taught or preached in it? Now I have to go with your pastor. Amen. I was over in Black Creek and I, the pastor went like this. <laughs> so I had to go with the pastor. Your pastor just went. So that tells me it hasn't. Let me, let me back that down a little bit. Has every house on your street had the, the gospel of Jesus Christ taught or preached in it? Let me back it down a little bit further. Since I'm seeing so many no's, has every house on your side of the block, of your block, your side, that's pretty, that's bringing it down to your level. So why don't we make a, make a petition in our life that we're going to, hey, one of, the, one of the first petitions, I have a long block. I have, 30, I have 30 plus houses on my side of the block. But when I get back to Scotland, I'm going to see to it that I knock the doors on that side of the block. That's where I'm starting. And until I can put a red X on that, on, that, on that box on my paper that has all the houses, until I can put a red X on it, that means I have taught or preached the gospel in that house. I'm going to go until my street is done. And then I'm going to go across the street and do the other one. And I want 66,000 doors in Dundee to have a red X on it. You see that? That's 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 too big of a job. That's the lying of the enemy. It's not too big of a job until he comes back. That's what I need to do. Now let me show you the growing and the abounding. Acts chapter number twenty. Acts chapter number twenty, verse number thirty-one. Acts 20 and 31. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn most everyone. No. Everyone. He didn't say most everyone. He said everyone. Night and day. Wow. Talk about abounding. He, he, he took a step out and he said, for the last three years, so that means you go back three years and somewhere out there, he made a step out by faith. I will let nobody pass by me. Not day nor night. Nobody will pass by me that I'm not going to warn them. And then he said, with tears. So it moved him emotionally. When's the last time 
you got emotional over a lost soul? When's the last time you begged God to allow you? See, when you start your side of the house, your, your house is on the, your side of the block. How many times are you going to go to that house and nobody be there? Or nobody wants to hear it before you beg God with tears to let you in that house. I just, Lord, I just want to get in that house because that's the last house for me to finish up my block. You should go on to another. First, let's get this one done. And here comes the importance. Turn to John chapter 4. Last scripture tonight. Done before 9.30. Praise the Lord for that. (coughs) Seth is like, in that case. As you're turning there, in 2 Corinthians, the Bible says that if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. And in the book of Galatians chapter 6, he said, ye shall reap But then he put a condition on it, didn't he? Ye shall reap if you faint not. How do you keep from fainting? Keep moving. Keep moving, you won't faint. Amen? When I was in the military, they they got us at attention. And the first thing they said, now don't lock your knees. Bend your knees and move your knees just ever so slightly. Prayed rest, the same thing. You're, I can't even get them. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but you bend them knees and you move them ever so slightly. Why? Because if you lock them, you're going to faint. If you go still, graduation, graduation, we went through it all. And what did three dummies do? What did three dummies do? They locked their knees and wiped out our whole platoon. That's a spiritual application you can play. Because if you faint, first thing you're going to do is you're going to lose what you've sown. And also, you're going to affect everybody around you when you faint. That's why he said, if you faint not. John chapter 4, verse 34. Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And ever since Jesus said that, every pastor... Every evangelist has picked this scripture up and made it a perpetual fields white unto harvest. All fields are white. They're just ready to be harvested. Sorry, that ain't true. There is no field white unto harvest that hasn't been sown. If the farmers do not go out in spring and sow these fields, come harvest time next August, there'll be no fields white on the harvest. You will not have a crop. 
Same thing in the church. In Scotland, the ground has laid dormant for years and years and years. So much so, Scotland has got a reputation. Now, I've been there 22 years, so I'm done away with this reputation. This reputation about Scotland is, if you go to Scotland as a missionary, you'll die. Spiritually, and you'll ruin your family. The second reputation of Scotland is, God's done with Scotland. Choose another field. I don't see anybody raising their hand coming to Scotland. How many want to come with me? (laughs) I got one hand. Praise the Lord. I seen that hand. And you know who else seen it? He did. Hallelujah. The problem is, the problem is, God may be done with Scotland as a nation. So is he done with America as a nation. But I want to inform you of one thing. God will never be done with the people of Scotland. He will never be done with the people of America. That's what gives us the hope to be able to go out and sow and sow and sow and sow. Because if we sow, if we don't faint, somebody's going to reap it. Look in verse number 38. I sent you... To reap, wherein you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you are entered into their labors. Now, the question is, if nobody sows, can you tell me an answer to this question? Where is he going to send them? He said, I send them into the area where they didn't labor. Why? Because the labor had already been done. But if nobody's laboring, oh, you don't understand, Brother Pam Fulmer, there's people sowing, there's people labor. A lot less than you think. A lot less than you think. Just think back. When's the last time? Now I know somebody's going to be smart and say, my preacher preached on it this morning. <laughs> When's the last time you heard a real good message on being a sower? Being a sower. Being content with sowing God's seed. And how many have you heard walk around and say, me, I'm a sower. You want to know what? Me, me, I'm a sower. And I love it. Because in that same book of John, He said, the reaper and the sower are going to rejoice together. I don't have to worry about that. He's going to take care of that. 